So hello, um, you'll soon realise that this isn't Andrew here. Um, it's Stuart and I've been asked to uh, by Andrew to um, put together the podcast this week following on from the home Bible study at our home uh, on Friday. And um, of course we've started uh, on this uh, uh, topic of learning church uh, from the Word. Now, um, before we begin, we'll just take a moment or two to pray. Father, we bow before thee and we thank thee first of all for thy word we thank thee that we can open it up and we can turn to it and we can have it as our standard we pray for thy help that thy word might be a a light to our path and a lamp to our feet that we might be our God as Brians who who go and seek out whether uh, what they have been taught is so we pray for thy help father um as over these these coming weeks and months we look at the the word of god uh, and consider it uh, particularly with regards to our our practice um as a as a local church and as members of uh, the church uh, we pray for thy blessing in the precious name of our lord jesus amen so, um, like I say, we're just beginning on this subject of learning church uh, from the Word. And, and we had a really interesting introductory uh, session with Andrew uh, on, on Friday night. Um, and in many ways, what we were doing is we were gathering together um, questions that we might consider um, as we go into this uh, series of studies over the coming um, weeks. Um I think it's very obvious uh, that it's clear in the Bible that Christians should meet uh, together. Uh, we had our uh, minds drawn at the very beginning of the evening to Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 22 to 25. Uh, and we read these words. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, without, without wavering for, he that is fa- for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider uh, one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day um, approaching. And um, in this, uh, uh, th- in these three verses, um, we have our attention drawn to um, our attitude um, to um, the presence of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed uh, with uh, pure water. And we have uh, our attitude to the word of God. Let us hold fast uh, the profession uh, of our faith without wavering. And then we have our attitude towards each other. Uh, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day. Um, approaching. It's self-evident from uh, the Bible that uh, believers um, should meet together. It's the normal practice um, in the New Testament and um, it's very clear that it's good for Christians to meet together. Uh, indeed, it's expected um, that we uh, should meet together as believers. 
Now, um, how do we, for want of a better phrase, expression, how do we do church? Um, and I think it's fair as we look around and we, we see um, different uh, 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 gatherings of God's people that um, there's variety in the way um, um, different groups of, of believers meet and, and practice. And some of this variety is to be celebrated um, you know, not least because we're all different, and we all come from different cultural, um, um, and we all come from different cultural backgrounds. But we can't be satisfied with anything less than God's uh, desire and uh, design. We're entering, uh, in a sense, the the house of God. Do we give credence to the fact that we're in the house of God, and? Just as whenever we visit uh, somebody's uh, home, um, we expect that we should follow the rules of that home. And so should we, whenever we're in the, 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 the gatherings of God's people, essentially the house of God, um, we should be seeking to follow his rules. And I think one of the striking things for, for, for me uh, from the session on Friday night is the solemnity uh, 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 with which we are to consider uh, the gatherings of um, God's people. Um, 1 Timothy 3 um, verses 14 to 15 uh, are helpful as we, we think about how um, um, we, we, we conduct ourselves um, in uh, the local church. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. Uh, but if I am delayed, uh, I write uh, so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living of, uh, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the whole reason that Paul is writing in uh, First Timothy. It's so that anyone, not just Timothy, so that anyone might know how to conduct themselves um, in the church of God. Now, um, um. The, the conversation in the evening was thrown open um, um, to the group and um, a, a number of questions were, were, were raised. Um, Alec John asked, is there a visible, uh, do we believe in, in the visible uh, and invisible church? Um, and uh, Andrew answered this question, um, um, yes, but... Um, the it, it, I think I think it was very helpful to think about how um, yes there is a visible church the, the gatherings that we look at and and and, and, and we can see um, and we can attend um, but but perhaps a more helpful term is the local church um, there is that uh, sense in the scriptures of the universal church the church um, that was instituted um, in in Acts two at Pentecost and will uh, carry on. Um, um, until uh, 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 the church is taken home um, at the rapture. Um, so there's that universal church to which every single um, um, believer from Pentecost belongs. But there are also local um, gatherings of believers which are, are, are local um, churches. Eva raised a very interesting question. How do we know what is relevant uh, uh, today? How do we put into action what we read in the New Testament within our uh, culture and uh, within our, our, our day and age. Um, and, and that's a, a, a theme that we explored right the way through um, the evening. Andrew set us off on a quest 
Um, and to start off uh, uh, with, we were asked to set aside our baggage like um, jurors going into a courtroom were asked to leave our bags at the door. And I think it's really important that we recognise as we come to any uh, 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 study uh, of the scriptures and particularly local church practice, um, we all come along uh, with presuppositions, biases, uh, we all have our baggage and it's very diff difficult uh, to put that aside completely but we've got to be aware of it and do our very best to put that aside and try and consider um, um, what all of the scriptures say in their uh, uh, context and put them into practice. Um, the suggestion was made that we may find things that we thought were important that aren't and we might th find things that we thought weren't important, but actually um, they are. Um, Andrew, um, um, again, in his uh, 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 sheet that he gave us, gave us another, uh, a number of questions that we might um, consider. Um, what is a local church as distinct from the universal church? What are the regulating principles for a local church established in scripture? What clear commands are given uh, to a local church? What is the structure of authority that is seen in, New Test in the New Testament in relation to churches? What must a local church do and not do? What is the mission of a local church? Who composes the membership of a local church? Why is it important that we follow the New Testament pattern? How should I try to follow the New Testament in real terms in the 20th? first century of course these aren't all the questions that we might ask um about the local church and uh, local church practice but they're a little bit of a start for this um but um i think the hope of all of us is that as we go through these studies um that our understanding will be enriched as to uh, the truth of uh, uh, the church and the local church and we'll be challenged about some of our preconceptions um that may be unbiblical um, about uh, uh, the local uh, about local church uh, truth now Andrew then uh, sent us all off on a um, and gives a little bit of a test um, and a number of questions to answer our, ourselves and they're really quite searching um, the sort of questions that we might ask before uh, we might join um, a local church and um, I found them really searching. What are the things that I place importance on? And is that actually what's in uh, the scriptures? Andrew uh, summed this up as assessing our Bereanness. Of course, uh, the Bereans were mentioned in Acts 17 as those that whenever they were taught the word of God, went away and searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. Um, and of course, that's, an, uh, that's a, a principle that all of us um, should practice uh, whenever we're taught anything, to go away and search the word of God and see if these things are so. So, um, of course, we claim uh, to value the word of God, but it's a big challenge. Does the word of God matter to us enough to search it out and to find out why we do um, what we do? We have to be um, intellectually honest. We, we have to uh, be self-aware of our own biases. We need to be self-aware of the fact that there are some things we want to be the case and we will look for anything to try and justify that. We need to try and be as objective as possible as we 
uh, look at the scriptures. We were then taken um, to um, um, essentially three uh, sets of scriptures um, about um, the, the the local church. It's the words that the Lord uh, himself spoke um, about, sorry, I said the local church, about the church. The first of these was Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. And again, we'll just read those. Uh, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ. The son of the living God, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed, revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I also uh, say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever uh, you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So this is first the first of uh, two mentions of um, the church um, in the Gospel of Matthew by the Lord. And I suppose one of the first questions that we come to is what does this word church actually mean? Um, it comes from an, uh, the original Greek word ecclesia, which is made up itself of, of two words. Um, the word ek, which means out of, and the word kalian, uh, which means to call. Um, it's the idea of a called out people. Um, uh, uh, Andrew told us about William Tyn Tyndale, who when he was translating um, um, the uh, Greek New Testament into uh, English um, in the fifteen in the sixteenth century um, changed the word to congregation, which immediately changes how uh, we view it um, in English. A church. Some people use the word assembly as a group of people. It's not a building. It's not a hierarchy. It's not an organization. It's not a, a set of um, uh, beliefs. A church is a group of people who have been called and who have a purpose. A church is a group of people who have a purpose because they've been called out, distinct from the world, uh, to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a social club. It's not a clique. It's not a hobby. Of course, that family atmosphere and that fellowship and that friendship um, is important, but primarily we are a called out people gathering together with a purpose um, distinct from the world to a person that is the Lord Jesus. Our attention was then drawn specifically uh, to verse 18, which reads, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We see that the local church is uh, described as a building, and this building um, has a foundation. Our attention is drawn to an ongoing battle, a battle that is going to end in victory, that there's going to be absolute triumph. So what is the foundation um, of this uh, building? 
the Roman Catholic Church would uh, suggest that it's it's Peter and there's there's a word play going on here and they use this to argue that Peter um, was the first Pope. Um, Andrew pointed out to us that um, the use of the word rock um, is slightly different to the word that's used for Peter's uh, name. But whenever we correlate this verse um, with other um, verses in the New Testament, um, we, we, we realize that this picture of a rock or a cornerstone um, or a foundation is used repeatedly of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the foundation is um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the rock. Um, we could say that uh, um, it's also uh, Peter's confession about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's quite difficult um, to separate um, those two things out completely. Uh, we um, compared this with 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 10 to 11. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let, but let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Peter's not the foundation. It's the Lord Jesus Christ um, and the confession that Peter made about him that is the foundation. And of course, we, we learn elsewhere that the Lord Jesus Christ is the chief uh, cornerstone. Now, what did Peter say about him? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is um, fundamental uh, uh, doctrine. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the son of the living God. What we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, matters. The importance that we um, place on the truth of the word of God uh, matters. The foundation of the local church is uh, doctrinal. It's interesting that in, in this passage that the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, not just the foundation, but he's also um, the builder. He says, I will build my church. Note that word will. The church hasn't begun yet. The church is distinct from um, the Jewish nation. And it's really important as we read all of the scriptures that we distinguish between um, who the Jewish nation are and who the church is. They're two distinct things and we get in a terrible muddle if we start confusing the two. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, I will build the church and the church is going to be um, um, is going to begin um, in Acts and chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost what's the, one of the very first lessons that we learn um, about the church and um, in this passage we're considering uh, what we would call the universal church that is every believer from Pentecost uh, uh, to um, um, the end of the church age, the rapture. The very first thing that we learn here about the church is the triumph of the church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Victory is guaranteed. This is important. Uh, this, uh, this, this big picture is important um, because throughout our studies, we're going to be predominantly considering um, the local church and um, we face uh, uh, um, 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 difficulties and challenges and discouragements as we um, consider um, the local church. Um, but ultimately having the big picture is important because one day, the, because the victory is guaranteed um, and um, um, we will see it.
Now, it's, it's important to distinguish the church and churches. Um, Matthew 16 is talking about the church. We might use the term uh, the universal church. Um, um, but um, it's important to distinguish that from local expressions of that, the local church. And that's what we come to in Matthew uh, chapter 18 and verses 15 uh, to 20. And we'll just read those scriptures. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear uh, uh, the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two are agreed on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So here we have um, the local church as distinct uh, from uh, the universal church. Um, note uh, uh, that this is um, um, all about um, um, dealing with issues between um, um, brothers. Um, we see uh, distinctives from uh, uh, the universal church here. The universal church is singular. There is one church. We saw that in Matthew 16. Here we have um, a plurality of churches. The universal church encompasses every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in this age, whereas the local church is locally gathered believers. The universal church, the builder is the Lord Jesus Christ, and um, we are placed in it at the moment of conversion. In the local church, uh, the builders are the servants of Christ uh, who have been evangelized, who have believed, who've been baptized and are being discipled. With regards to the local church, there's no defeat. The gates of Hades shall not prevail. With regards to the local church, it's possible for there to be defeat in time and removal of testimony. And we'll read about that um, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. In the universal church, there's no possibility of false brothers. In the local church, there's the possibility of false brothers. In the universal church, gifts are given to the body of Christ for its functioning and work. In the local church, gifts are abilities given to believers for the upbuilding of believers, mainly in the local church setting. In the universal church, no individual can be put out of the, 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 the universal church, the body of Christ. But we can be put out of the local church, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In the universal church, God's grace and wisdom is emphasised. In the local church, God's grace and government is, is emphasised. Our behaviour matters. Um, in the universal uh, 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 church, it is positional and, and living. In the local church, it's practical and, and self-governing. The function in the universal church is to glorify God, to show his grace and wisdom. Um, it's described as the body and the bride of Christ. In the, universe, in the local church, 
um, we um, have a functional emphasis to glorify God, show his grace and wisdom as part of the body and bride of Christ, but also to bear witness to God's new creation in the world and to be a pillar and support of the truth. New Testament epistles that are particularly relevant um, whenever we're thinking about universal church doctrine are Ephesians and Colossians. With regards to local church, the local church epistles that are particularly helpful to have a look at are, th are the Thessalonian epistles, uh, the Corinthian epistles, um, and the pastoral epistles, 1st and 2nd Timothy and uh, Titus. So here in Matthew 18, we're um, um, considering a local church. And we're considering particularly the matter of an offended brother. Uh, how am I to respond if my brother has offended me? Know that the responsibility is on the brother who's been offended rather than the brother who's done the offending. Because it's very possible for any of us to cause offence and not realise that we've done so and we'd never know anything about it if we're not told. The aim here um, is for this problem to be um, dealt with as privately as possible. Humility has to be expressed by every um, individual involved. And the aim is to go, ideally go to that brother or sister and say, brother, um, you've offended me for these reasons and for brothers to be reconciled. Now, we then went out on to, to discuss how um, there's, there, there are several particular characteristics of a local church that we might be able to uh, pick out from uh, Matthew 18. Um, very obviously, there are people that we can see and we can speak to. This ties in with um, this idea of the, 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 the visible church, the, the local church that we can see and interact with it's a visible body of people um the local church in in this case has an authority in in moral matters because this is a matter of um church discipline and we read about church discipline in uh, more detail in the epistles and in particular first corinthians in chapter five and it's striking the solemnity um, um of this um, here we have a, a, a gathering of believers where two or three are gathered together in my name on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and whatsoever is being done on earth is bound in heaven. I mean, we've got, it's a remarkable responsibility that we have um, as believers acting in a local church capacity. So in the local church, um, there is uh, discipline. Um, in the local church, um, it's a f also a family setting. This is a brother that's being dealt with. It's not just a neighbour. Um, there's divine um, um, order. So um, there's a process set out. Um, um, it's to be between brethren initially. And then two or three uh, are to be brought thereafter. And then after that, it's to be taken um, 
to the church. There's very clearly an in and an out to the local church. That's in contrast to the universal church that we were thinking about in Matthew um, 16. Um, um, in Matthew 16, um, we're thinking of the church, which is his body. And of course, the body will never be dismembered. But in terms of the local church, there is very clearly um, those who are in and those who are out, even if they are believers. There's honesty in the local church. Um, there's authority. What's done on earth shall be bound in heaven in his name. There's solemnity and there's responsibility. And then we looked finally at um, in Revelation chapter 1 and verses 9 to 20. And we'll read those. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it uh, to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And, the midst, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about, his, about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am first, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write these things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So here we come to Revelation uh, chapter 1 and we, we see that there are seven individual churches. And again, this is in contrast to the, the, the universal church that we were thinking about in Matthew chapter 16. They're in different geographical locations and the Lord has a message for um, each individual church. There's no hierarchy of churches. There's no um, structure, a governing structure between uh, those local churches and the Lord. It's the Lord that's over them and his message comes directly to them. Note that this isn't um, the Jewish menorah, which is a, a candlestick with um, um, different um, candle holders on it. These are seven separate lampstands. And of course, we take from this and from other associated scriptures that each local church is directly responsible alone um, to the Lord. Each local church is autonomous. There isn't um, a, an oversight over a group of churches. 
each individual church is responsible um, to the Lord and answerable um, to the Lord alone. So um, we look forward to uh, the rest of the studies in, in the coming week. Um, I think this week we um, raised more questions than we, we got answers and um, hopefully we'll be able to um, um, address uh, and think about uh, some of those questions as we go through uh, the subsequent uh, studies.